Today we are continuing a series that's just entitled, I Got Options. I Got Options. Last week we talked about the option of choosing purpose over popularity. Today we're going to be talking about surrender over control. As we're looking at this series, we actually are looking at the choices we make. You are today essentially the sum total of the decisions and the options and the choices that you've made throughout your lifetime. And as you continue to move forward, the decisions that you make today are making those that will affect your future. So we want to talk about some of these things today. We're going to talk about today the big choice that I think every one of us uh, has to deal with on an everyday basis, and, and that's this whether we're going to choose to surrender or have control. Are we going to choose to surrender or are we going to have control? How many of you would say that in some area of your life you love to be in control? Oh, welcome to church this morning. Make sure you get the notepad out and you're ready to take some last notes, right, today? Because every one of us are probably in that state. Some of you, if I would have encouraged you, you would have put two hands up, right? Some of you were trying to get the person next to you to put their hand up. All of us battle with wanting to have control. Maybe sometimes you battle with having control at work. Or somebody's doing something and, and they don't do it quite right or quite up to your standards. And so you're just like push them out of the way and says, don't worry about it. I'll get it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Do it myself. Some of you work for that person. Some of you are that person. Maybe in the home, you're a, a control freak. Everything has to have a place and a place for everything. And it has to be done your way. Don't touch this. Leave that there, right? Now, I'm sure all of you feel this way. My, my wife has a certain way that she wants to load the dishwasher. And so when any of us that are at home try to put dishes in the dishwasher, inevitably, if I'm watching, I'll see her come and move them around. It's not that she doesn't appreciate the fact that we put them in there. It's that she has to have them in a certain place. Some of you ladies are like, well, duh. Right? I don't really care about the kitchen too much. As long as I eat, I'm good. But this week, my, my wife made this comment to me because our grass was getting long and I had to go out of town for a couple days and, and our grass was needing cut. And she says, well, maybe our daughter could do it. And I said, uh, I don't think I've got time to train her. Those lines got to be straight. There'd have to be some kind of course that she'd need to take because there's just no way that, that she could ever get this right. <laughs> so I admit to you today, I have some things that... I like control of. So pray for me. You know, maybe you're here today and there are certain people in your life, man, you want your kids to do what you want them to do. And if you don't do what I expect you to do, you're going to be grounded till you're 30. could be your spouse. 
If you don't do this, I'm going to withdraw something special from you or I'm going to threaten you with whatever it is. We all have our areas that we like to control. My mom liked to control the kitchen. When she started cooking, everybody better just get out. She didn't want help. It's a, it's a God-given thing that it, God intervened because I don't know how my sister learned how to cook anything. Because mom would kick everybody out of the kitchen. I remember one time I went in there to try to help and, and she let me look around and stuff and she had this little jar and, and I thought, man, that's good. Mom's making something with vanilla pudding in it today. And so I went over there and I took my finger and I went like this. And I'm going to try that vanilla pudding. I put it in my finger like this. Oh, it was bacon grease. And the worst thing about the whole thing is my mom stood there and watched me do it. She didn't even say, no, 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 don't do it. You don't want to eat that. She stood there and watched me and then laughed at me and said, get out of my kitchen. <laughs> we all have our control things. So today, whenever I go to help my wife, I go, hey, you need some help, honey? Yeah, you can help me. And graciously, she does that. But then all of a sudden, you don't quite do it the way it's supposed to be done. Then I get this little rub on my back. Why don't you get the drinks? <laughs> you know, why don't you go set the table? You know, I got this, right? We all have issues. We all have things that, that we want to control. I've been known to, in the passenger seat of the car, want to have control. And so I'll grab a hold of that little handle that's up above, and my foot's jamming itself down into the floorboard trying to brake, and I'm giving all of the drivers that I'm with some really poignant instructions on how to drive. And they all tell me, my wife tells me especially, just get your phone out and get on your phone. Let me drive. Because we all like control. I went to the bank with my, my dad a few weeks ago, and there was a song. It was a song from the 80s, and it's uh, entitled, kind of to bring this about the whole auto thing, it was entitled Highway to the Danger Zone. Anybody ever heard that song? I'm not going to sing it for you. Um, I think it was... Um, and immediately as I heard the course of that song, Highway to the Danger Zone, I saw my grandma. Because <laughs> every time he got in the highway, it was to the danger zone, man. <laughs> I'm telling you what. My grandma had a big garage with two huge doors. My grandfather, even the doors were big enough that he put his bass boat in her garage. And my grandmother, without fail, at least once or twice a year, would hit the frame of that door every, every year. And we're like, oh, dear God. I get in the car with her. I remember one time when I was a kid, I got in the car with her. And she was hopping curbs. She was going, it was nuts. I'm praying the whole, I probably was never closer to God than I was in that moment. I'm, I don't think I was even a Christian at that time. And I was just like, oh, Lord, please. Right? Just like control. Today, that's an issue that I want to address. Is the fact that we have want this desire for control. And we've made light of that in, in some of these situations. And we've made light of that in, in some of the things we've brought up. But the reality is today, if we carry that into certain areas of our life, it can be a big spiritual problem. Because your desire for control puts you to where you think that you can handle it better than God. 
Your desire to be the one in charge puts you in the place where you feel like, God, you know, hey, I got this. I'm trying to be like God. Because I know what's best, Lord. I want to do this my way. Today, I want us to go to one of the most popular, most often quoted verses in the Bible. And, but I'll tell you right now, I'm going to warn you right now, it's probably one of the most difficult ones to live. And maybe you're here today and you've heard this verse a hundred times, but I want you to hear it today as if you're hearing it for the very first time. I want you to listen and I want you to ask God, God, would you help me to live out the powerful truths that are found in the scripture today? It's found in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It says this, we are to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Surrender to God to be completely in His hands. To trust in the Lord with what? All our heart. All our heart. We're to trust Him with everything. When we're told, then we're told what, and this is where it gets difficult probably for most of us, is this, and lean not to your own understanding. I don't know about you, but I have this innate desire sometimes to want to figure it out. But to lean not to your own understanding. I don't need to be in control. I know that God's got this thing to trust in Him with all my heart, to lean not to my own understanding. But then He says this, in all your ways, what are we supposed to do? To acknowledge Him. Maybe your version says this, to submit to Him. That word in the Hebrew actually has the same kind of use and meaning as it used for Adam knowing Eve. This idea of an intimate knowledge, this intimate knowing. God, we're supposed to trust in you with every bit of our heart and not be anxious about anything, but in all our ways, acknowledge and submit to you in a way that we are intimate about you. To submit to your will in our life. He says, once we do this, once we know him, once we trust him, once we lean not to our own understanding and we acknowledge and we submit to him, then what's he do? He makes our path straight. He makes our path straight. And we trust in the Lord and lean not to our own understanding, but in every single way we submit, we acknowledge him, we know him, he makes our path straight. Here's the problem, though. Many of us, you see this in your life as a desire that you, you read this text, but it's hard for you to do because we like control. We like control. And what happens is the more times that we feel like we're, in, that we're not in control, we have a fear and we're afraid of losing control, and so it becomes this vicious cycle. The more we feel like we're afraid of losing control, the more control we want. Do you know that's why change is so difficult for people? Because you feel like you're not in control. You feel like you're the one that is, wait a minute, you just, you just changed everything in my life. I, I, I'm afraid of losing control. 
And essentially what happens is we get to that place where we edge God out in our life and because it may be in little things at first, but eventually it will grow into bigger things and you will get to the place where you will edge God out and you'll say, I've got this. I want control of this. Let me tell you a great example. It happened in the Old Testament. Um, it was an example of control gone bad. Matter of fact, it was control gone really, really bad. It's a story that is about a man by the name of Abram and his wife Sarai. Now, later on, God would change their name to Abraham and Sarah. And if there's anybody that battled a control issue in their life, it was these two people. Imagine, if you will, God makes you a promise. He made Abraham a promise, and the promise was what? That you will have be the father of many nations. Look to the sky, Abraham. Do you see all the stars? That's how many people that are going to be your descendants, and it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be great. And do you know what happened after God told him that? Nothing. Nothing. Days went by, months went by, years went by, and nothing happened. Nothing happened. You told me we were going to be parents, God. You told me that this was going to take place. And month by month by month, it goes by, and nothing is happening here. What is going on? And so Sarah does what many of us would try to do when God's timing is not our own. She decides to take control of the situation. She decides to take control of the situation. I mean, think about that for uh, just a minute. We would be like, man, this is incredible. This is awesome. But God, you're, you're running too slow. I don't see how this is going to happen. I, I don't see what, what's going to take place here. Have any of you ever been on the place where you feel like God spoke to your heart about something? He promised you something. He gave you a word about something. And it's just nothing happened. Don't you wish you were on the I-70 expressway and stuff? What I mean by that is this. I'm originally from Terre Haute, Indiana. I can drive US-40 from Cambridge, Ohio to Terre Haute, Indiana, and it would take me about a week. Or I can get on I-70 and get there in about five and a half hours. Now, I like the I-70 method. But I don't know about you, it seems like God, more times than not, chooses the US-40 method in my life. Right? And so what happens is we get this idea that if this isn't going to happen, bless God, I'm going to make it happen. If God's not going to move, I'm going to move. And it's the same mentality that Sarah has. Let's check out what happens here. Verse 1 of, uh, of Genesis chapter 16. It says this, now Sarah, Abraham, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had a maidservant, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Please go into my maid. It, it, may, it may be that I will obtain children through her. And then he goes on to say, Abram listened to Sarai. So after Abram had been living for 10 years in the land of Canaan, 10 years. Years of nothing. Ten years. 
Sarai, his wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. Abram agreed to do what Sarai had said. After Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, his wife said, hey, take my slave Hagar and give her to be his wife. And so what does he do? He does that. He sleeps with her, and she conceives. God made a promise, but God's timing was not consistent with their timing. Follow me. So because God's timing was not consistent with their timing, they decided that they wanted to take control. And control went bad. If you don't know what happened next, let me kind of tell you. Some of you know part of the story, but maybe you don't know all the story. Because it's really mind-blowing how one controlling situation ended up impacting people for centuries to come. Hagar ended up getting pregnant, and she gave birth to a son, and they called him Ishmael. And then later, Sarah got pregnant, and she gave birth to a son, and they called him Isaac. And if you look at the lineage of Ishmael and Isaac, it is completely stunning. Because out of Ishmael, you actually have the Palestinians. Out of Ishmael, you have the line that led to Muhammad. Out of Isaac, you had the Jewish nation and the line that led to Christ. So here we are centuries later, and you still have this tension between the Palestinians and the Jews. And you still have this tension between Islam and Christianity. Why? Because in Genesis chapter 16, control went bad. I want to take control. It's not happening in my time. It's not happening in my way. So therefore, I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring this about. And maybe your situation's a little bit different. Maybe it's a little bit different than what we experience in the Scripture, but the premise and the, and, the, and the thing is still very much real. I'm contempted to control something. Maybe you're here today and you're a single Christian girl and you're looking for a sing and you want a single Christian guy. But you can't find a single Christian guy. So what do you do? You just settle for a guy. I know I'm not supposed to be unequally yoked, but he has such a cute little smile. And I'm pretty sure I can change him over. I know he's not, but you know, I can change him. Or maybe you're here today and you've got a financial issue, man. You're struggling. You've been around church for a while and, and you actually know you're supposed to put God first. You actually know you're supposed to seek Him first. You're supposed to return a tithe to the Lord as an act of worship. Can I tell you, when you do that, it's very freeing and God can bless you. But right now, that doesn't make sense to me because you don't see the stack of bills I got. So because I've got this stack of bills here, I can't tithe. I've got to do it my way. I know I'm getting home to some of you because you're starting to squirm a little bit in your seat. Doesn't make sense to me right now. 
I'm going to take control. I'm going to do it my way. It could be people at work. Maybe you're trying to delegate this job to somebody else, and, and you're, trying, you're, you're saying, man, I'm going to give you this job, but they're not doing it right. They're not doing it the way that you want it done with all the specifications and, and the way that you would do it, and so you say, oh, forget it, move over, I'll give you something else, and you do it. Some of you, I'm sure nobody here, uh, this is probably people in all the other churches in the area, you're what I would call helicopter parents. You know what I mean by that? You're hovering. You're hovering over your kids. Little Johnny gets a science paper he's supposed to do. And you say something like this, well, Johnny, I'll do it for you because you've got to get an A. We've got to get you into that college. You know, you're only eight, but we've got to get you to that college. Somebody picks on little Johnny. And they come home and you say, little Johnny, what's that kid's mama? Because that kid's mom is going to get a bite of me here in just a few minutes. Right? Little Johnny, you're going to go out and check the mail in the mailbox? Okay, put your helmet on. Get your knee pads. Get your elbow pads. Be careful. Right? Overprotective. Watch that. It leads to control. There was an article. This is funny. I found this hilarious. There's an article in the Huffington Post. Of recent college graduates, 8% actually brought one of their parents with them to the job interview. 8%. I, I said this earlier. If someone, if it were me doing the interviewing, leave your mama in the car. I know she drove you there and all, but leave her out in the car for the interview. Right? Here's what I want you to do. In front of you in the, in, the, in the pew, there's a piece of paper and a pen. I want us all to get a piece of paper and a pen, and I want you to do this. I want you to write, think about something, and write down the area that you're trying to control. What is something in your life that you are trying to control? What is it? Is it a person? Is it a thing? Is it a circumstance? I want you to do this. Think about this just for a moment. Give it a name. Write it down. This is something that you're struggling with, this idea of, oh, I can't let this go. I've got to have it. That control issue. What are you trying to control? Are you trying to control your kids? Are you trying to control your grown kids? Are you trying to control your grown kids' kids? Because your kids ain't raising them grandbabies right? Are you trying to control your finances? Trying to control your job, your spouse, your image? What is it that you're trying to control? Now, some of you today, you're going to sit there and you're going to cross your arms. And you're going to say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'm not writing anything down. You just proved my point. You sit back and you say, well, that's a stupid illustration. I'm not going to do what he says. You just stay in control. But you keep listening because I'm talking to you. What are you going to do? We're going to ask ourselves, is this something that is really mine to control? Is this something I'm supposed to trust God with all my heart in and lean not to my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge him and he's going to make my path straight? Today, I want to be able to choose surrender over control. And so today, here's what I'm going to do. 
You wrote that thing down. On the bottom of that paper, I'm going to give you three questions today. Three questions that I want you to ask yourself today. They'll help you determine and give you the right to choose surrender over control. The first one is this. You're going to ask yourself this. Is it worth my concern? Is it worth my concern? In other words, there are many things that people are really upset about, but it's not really completely worth your concern. You know, as, as pastors, sometimes I have to struggle with this in some ways. During the week, I, will, uh, I, I go on what I call a walkabout. I don't know if you know what that is. I'll just kind of go walking through the church, randomly just kind of walking. My staff will tell you when he goes on a walkabout, that's usually a bad thing because he comes back with things that we need to fix or change, right? But there have been times in my life when I go through the walkabout and I realize it's not that big a deal. In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, man, that's a huge thing. we got to change that. That looks awful. But then I have to kind of lay my hands off of it and say, you know what, it's not really that big a deal. It's not, really that, it's not really worth my concern. You have to do that sometimes. You have to pick your battles carefully. Oftentimes, you need to fix a few things, but what's really working is, you know, what we really want to do is put gasoline on the things in our life that, that is God and let it explode and not worry about the things we're trying to control, to give everything to Him, to have every, give everything to Him. See, here's, here's what this works out to be in your life. You see, there are some things that are minor things that if you would let them go, they're not that big a deal. Here's the thing in your life. I know it's up on the screen, but I'm going to give you another word too in addition to intimacy. You can have control or you can have growth in you, but you can't have them both. You can have control, or you can relinquish that control to God and let him grow some things in you and allow yourself to grow as an individual, but you can't have both. Some of you are wrecking relationships because you have brought up things that weren't really a big deal and they shouldn't have been worth your concern, but you have wrecked relationships. You can either have control or you can have intimacy, but you cannot have them both. You cannot have someone under your thumb and have intimacy with them. You can't build that relationship that way. It doesn't work. You can have control. You can have intimacy. The problem is we get so wigged out about things that aren't really that big of a deal, and it hurts our relationships. I have to ask myself, is this a big deal? Is that that big of a concern? I'm going to meddle for just a minute. Is that okay? I've been doing it all service, so I assume it's okay, right? Because we're having so much fun in here this morning, right? So I, 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 want, to, I want to ask you this question. For example, is it worth my concern? Is it really worth getting upset? Is it worth getting freaked out about, wigged out, making everybody miserable because someone didn't fold the towels the right way? They're supposed to fold them this way, and they folded them this way, and, and now my drawer's all messed up, and so I'm going to go off on somebody. 
Is it really worth that? Five years from now, is it going to make any difference how the towels were folded? Hmm. Here's another question. Does it really matter if your kids walk out the door and they don't match? And somebody's like, oh yeah. I don't mean to point out what you just admitted to, but or maybe they go out the door with blue hair or green hair. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, my world's falling apart. Johnny wore that brown shirt with those red pants. And he put on those shoes with his big feet and he looks like Ronald McDonald. And you're thinking that that boy's not even going to get into college now because he can't even match his clothes. Is it worth your concern? Is it that big of a deal? There are some things you have to come to the place where you just have to chill out about because you are driving everybody crazy. Don't elbow the person sitting next to you. Don't do that. Just look forward. Let the message do the work. Pretend like you don't even know what he's talking about. What's this? Right? Don't do that. Have you ever just seen something that just drives you nuts? For some of you, maybe it's a big... I heard a story of a guy tell a story. There was this big picture window when he had it in his house. And every day he liked to go home and look out. He had a beautiful view. liked to look out the picture window. Every day he'd come home, there were fingerprints all over that window. And it used to drive him crazy. He'd get up and he'd wipe it all off. The next day when he would get to sit down, it'd be handprints and little snotty fingerprints and a little bit of lunch on the thing. And it's just all over the stuff. And he's, he's thinking, what in the world? He used to get so mad about that. Years passed. And now today he tells the story of how he goes to the same chair and looks out the window and longs to see fingerprints. He used to get so upset when they were on there, but now he would love to see them again because his kids have moved out. They've gotten grown up and moved out. Interesting that the thing that drives you crazy is actually the thing that you might miss one day. Is it worth my concern? Is it really worth getting upset over? You're hurting your intimacy. You're driving people crazy. Is it worth my concern? Second one's this. Is it mine to control? Is it mine to control? Is it something I should do something about? Well, if the answer is yes, then how many of you know God won't do everything for you? God wants you to do some things on your own. Okay. Now, I know that goes against the thought process of control, but you have to ask yourself this question. Is this something that God wants me to do something about? Can I do this on my own? Is it mine to control? Can I just tell you there's a big difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility? Everybody understand that? There's a difference. There's a big difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility. For example, if you're messed up financially, you don't want to just sit around and say, okay, God, fix it. 
Fix it, God. I know you will. I'm just going to sit here until you do. God's going to probably tell you something like this. I gave you two hands. Go up and get a job. Don't spend so much. Spend less than what you're making. Do something about it. If your marriage is in trouble, what can you do? You can adjust your heart. You can examine yourself and make it so that you are the person that is, is connecting with God. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, your spouse would be someone who would say, you know, maybe I'll come to a Connecting Couples event. Maybe I'll try to get some kind of connection in my own heart so I can connect with other believers. I'm going to do what I can do. Maybe your kids are making bad decisions. You say, man, I want to be available to my kid. I want to build the bridge. I want to, you've got to be making sure those lines of communication are open so that whenever they come to you, you can have the influence that you need in their life. Maybe you're a single guy here and you want to get married. What do you do? Man, you've got to put the Pokemon go. Quit playing that Pokemon stuff. You've got to get out. Quit playing Madden football all day. Put it down. Move out of your mom's basement. Get you a job. Brush your teeth. Put on some deodorant for goodness sake. you got to do some things. So you ask yourself honestly, is it mine to control? If it is, then do something about it. So if it's not, then we've got to get to the third question. And, and this is the third one in the group. First one is, is it worth my concern? The second one is, is it mine to control? The third one is this, is it for God alone? Is it for God alone? Is this one of those areas that I'm trying desperately to control, but it's not mine to control? This one's for me to surrender. There's a passage of Scripture, it's in Philippians 4. Paul actually writes this as he's chained to a Roman guard in prison. And he writes this amazing, powerful words in Philippians chapter 4. And again, if you've heard this before, I want you to hear it again as God's saying it directly to you in your situation. Paul says this in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. How many of you were anxious about something just last week? Be anxious for nothing. But in how many situations? In, in, in what? In everything. In every situation. No matter what you're going through. No matter what she did. No matter what he said. Things no matter what you can't change. In every situation by what? Prayer and petition. Or prayer and supplication. Present your request. With gratitude, make your request known to God. In every situation, what do you do? By prayer and petition, you present your request to God. I wonder sometimes if God is ever insulted by our words that say this, well, I guess all I can do now is pray. I guess I, I'm in a, in a place now where I have to, all I can do this is pray now. I can't imagine God being in heaven going, well, you're in trouble now. All you got's me? You're in trouble. It's really bad, right? can't imagine that. See, prayer should never be a last resort. Prayer is always the first line of offense. 
So what can I do? I can pray. Scripture says that we go boldly before the throne of grace. We have access to God, that He hears our prayers. And He's a God that says, with me, all things are possible. What can you do? You can pray. And He says this, to have thanksgiving. Why do we have thanksgiving? Why do we pray with thanksgiving and gratitude? Because we know He hears us. Because we know He cares. Because we understand that He is working all things to bring about good for those who love Him and that are called according to His purpose. On this thing, I can take it to prayer. I can give it to God and I can present it to God knowing that He's got my best interest at heart. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that the road's not going to be paved with bumps and bruises and you're not going to get banged up a little bit. But when I relinquish control, then I say, God, I understand that this situation, I understand that my life is something that I am trying to grab a hold of, but God, I relinquish that to you today and I want you to bring about what you want in my life. Then we start to walk in a path that says, God, I trust you in all things. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, but in everything I'm going to submit to you, and you're going to make my path straight. Look what happens when we go to God like that. He says in verse 7, it says that the peace of God, the supernatural peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, will protect your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. That I trust you with my heart. I'm not leaning to my own understanding. I'm I'm giving you everything. I'm acknowledging you. I'm submitting to you. And I know, God, I can trust you. And what's he do in return? He gives you this supernatural peace. And this ability that's beyond even thing you can comprehend or understand. You ever had something go on in your life and it was just a terrible thing and somebody asked you how you're doing and you're just like, yeah, I'm okay. And there's no way in the world you should be okay. You should be a hot mess. But you don't understand and sometimes you just, things happen and you're just like, I, I, I can't explain it, but I gave it to God. And when I let go of it and I gave it to him, do you know what happened? I got a peace that I have never had before. And even in the midst of this chaos, I have found that I'm okay. That I'm all right. Maybe today you're here and you're married and your spouse is making bad decisions. Can I ask a question? Can you change your spouse? Some of you think you can let me kind of give you a little insight. You can't. You can't. You can make them miserable. You can make them crazy. You can drive them away. You can conform their behavior for a little while, and then they'll resent you and they'll kick back. But you can't change your spouse. Can God change your spouse? Yes, He can. So I have to relinquish control of that and say, God, I trust you and I give it to you. Can you physically heal your body or someone else of you love? They've got cancer. They've got a a disease. Can you go poof and the cancer be gone? No, you can't do that. What can you do? 
You can go get treatments, you can get great doctors, you can eat right, you can do all that stuff, but can you heal? No. Can God heal? Yes. He can. Can you control your kid's future? No, you can't. You can threaten them. You can drive them away from you. You can create a wall between you and them where there's no trust anymore. But can you control their future? No, you can't. But can God be actively involved in their future, leading them where he wants them to go? Yes, he can. So what do you do? You invest in them and you ultimately say, God, I trust you. With all my heart, and I relinquish control. So we're asking ourselves, hey, is this worth my concern? A lot of times it's not, so you got to let it fly. Is it mine to control? If it is, then do something about it. But if it's not, God, this is for you alone. I don't know what it is. I can't, God, but I know you can. And so I'm going to relinquish control to you. I choose today surrender over control. I choose to surrender over control. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, today I thank you. Holy Spirit, from the very beginning, when we, right at the end of worship, God, we we ask that you would speak to our heart today that Holy Spirit you would do that and you've done that today for some folks when they wrote down those things on their paper things that they try to control things that they feel like they have to be in charge of they have to have their hands tightly wound around God for some of those things that's something that you're speaking to their heart about today Holy Spirit would you move in this place As you reflect today and as the Holy Spirit brings things to your heart and your mind, I know that many of you here today are going to recognize that there's something or someone that you've been trying to control. There's something in your life that you want to have control of. God's trying to speak to your heart. He's trying to give you a path. He's trying to give you something that He wants you to do. And and all you keep facing his opposition because why because you keep just like Abraham and Sarah you tried to get control because it wasn't happening as soon as you thought you wanted the I-70 express and you got the US-40 path you've tried to come back and gain control over that and today it's very simple The message today is very simple. It's time to trust God with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in everything. Submit, acknowledge, get by your intimacy with Him. Give it to Him. And let Him make your path straight. And there's some things in your life that you've tried to grab a hold of and say, "Ah, I'm going to do it my way. The Holy Spirit right now is dealing with your heart. And you be honest and say, Pastor, I want to give it to God today. I want to take my hands off of it today. If that's you, would you lift up your hand right now? 
right now. Yes, yes, across this room right now. Yep. Get my hands off of it today. Yep. Relinquish control of it today. And your uplifted hand that's open is part of the thing of just relinquishing that to God. It's an open hand of an act of a surrender. It says, God, I surrender it. Open it up. I give it to you. I give it to you. I give it to you, Lord. Would you bow your heads today as we pray? Father, there are those that raise their hand this morning that, God, you dealt with, that you've been dealing with. There are some, God, here today that didn't respond. They didn't raise that hand. But you're dealing with them today as well. And I believe that by faith that there are folks here today that when they walk out of this this auditorium, this sanctuary this morning, when they leave this church today, they're going to have this thought in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to trust you, God, with all of my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. It's not mine to control, God. I'm giving it to you, and I believe that you're sovereign. I believe that you're wise. I believe that you're powerful. I believe that you're a loving God, and I choose to surrender today over control choose that today and I pray God as we do that right now Holy Spirit your word says that when we submit to you and we give it to you that the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard our heart and our mind Holy Spirit earlier today you talked to several people about things that the devil's been attacking their mind but Lord I thank you Lord that when we can relinquish control and we can give it to you when it feels like we're getting bombarded all the way around and we give it to you that your word says that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding we can't even figure it out but it guards our hearts and our minds And Lord, I pray every time that we're tempted to grab a hold of the wheel again, I pray that you would remind us that when we do that, we oftentimes end up in the ditch. But God, today we relinquish control to you completely. We choose surrender over control. In Jesus' name. You're here this morning and some of you... Maybe you're here today and you've not made that ultimate surrender to God. You've kind of pretty much done life your own way. Not really giving it to Jesus completely. Today, you'd like to make that decision to surrender completely to Him. And you say, Pastor, I've heard the words you've said today and I want to know a God that I can trust. It's not going to let me down. You've heard the words that we've talked about today. and so You say, I want to know a God that loves me so much that he would be willing to come and give his only son to die for my sins and to give me life. I want to know. I want to make that decision to surrender my life to him and relinquish control myself. If that's you today, we want to pray with you this morning. If that's you, is people are praying right now. Christians are praying. If that's you, would you slip up your hand today? We want to pray for you today. Yeah, thank you. Praise you, God. Ultimate control. I want to give it to Jesus. Yes. Praise God. 
Would you stand with me across this sanctuary this morning? Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I want to take my hands off. I want to give you complete control of my life. Forgive me of my sin. I give you everything of me. Help me, God, to follow you with all my heart. I trust you, Lord. I give you my life. I give you my family. I give you everything. In Jesus' name, amen.